0: You know, most of us are pretty familiar with the Jesus birth story. Um, We're so familiar with the details that we have a tendency to gloss over it if we're not careful. We just kind of read right past it or if somebody mentions it or says something about it, we just kind of We kind of gloss over it because we know the story. We don't really focus on it. But in reading the details again over the last several weeks, something grabbed my attention about the shepherds that I wanted to talk about for just a few moments today. Take a look at it, Luke 2, verse 15. Hopefully you've got the outline out and you're using that today. There's a fill-in-the-blank we're going to get to in just a little bit. Take a look. The shepherds said to each other, let's go. Come on, say that with me. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Those two words, let's go. Circle those two words on your outline today. Those are the words that I want us to focus on today. Come on, say it with me again. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Just a few weeks ago, I completed a beginner obedience class with my now one-year-old dog, Brody. Take a look at Brody. He's a great little guy. Uh, that was when we first got him that picture. And I like to show that picture. I actually have that on my on my desktop on my office. I like to show that picture because literally none of those toys, well, there's one. One of those toys is still left. <laughs> he has chewed through and we've only had him what going on six weeks that he has chewed through all of those toys. He is your typical, typical puppy. But I had an opportunity to take him through a beginner class uh, at PetSmart right here on Balboa in the Target Shopping Center. And we learned things like sit and shake and wait and come on command. We learned Target, all of these kinds of things. And yes, guess what? Brody passed. He passed the class. We actually had to do them for the trainer, and they had to do seven things, and he did it. Years ago, I took our, our other terrier, uh, Kenzie, to, through the class. And she failed the first time. She like did two of them, you know. That was really pushing it. And so we had to retake the class. But Brody passed the first time. And, and it was amazing because half the time I didn't think the guy was even paying attention. You know what I'm saying? It just, he's just kind of one of those dogs. But he, he really paid attention. And, and so I was really excited. And so we're going to give it up for Brody. I like this little video that I took. If you saw it on Facebook, go ahead. Anthony, let's take a look at this video. We're gonna celebrate with Brody because he passed, right? So yeah, yeah, give it up for Brody. Now listen, I know maybe you haven't even met Brody. Maybe you'll get to tonight if, uh, if you're there at the Hopin' House. But um, Brody struggles with something though that a lot of dogs do. We love, I love to take my dogs out for a walk and we usually go a couple miles on our walk and Brody struggles with loose leash Walking. That was one of the things that we did have to learn in the class. Say it with me. It's a tongue twister. Loose leash walking. He doesn't do loose leash walking. He does tight pulling walking, right? That's what he does. He is what's known as a puller. As we walk, he pulls. I call him my mush dog. I mean, he is pulling almost all the time, and we have tried so many different techniques, so many different things. They say not to pull back because they think, you know, the dog thinks that you're playing. They, all of these things, and when we were at the store, one of the things that we had to do when we are at PetSmart, the, the class is inside the store, and so in order to do some of the, the tricks and the, and the training, you had to go out into the store, and so to, to do loose leash walking, guess what? We had to walk the store, and... I'm not kidding. In the six weeks that we were there, I bet I went through the store a hundred times with Brody because he just struggles with this loose leash walking. He pulls. And one of the times I was down aisle number eight, yes, I remember down aisle number eight, and that's when the trainer says, Bart, I think you need to try another technique. <laughs> I said, Really? Because <laughs> he's pulling me down the aisles, right? She said, Every time he pulls, I want you to turn your direction, go the opposite direction and say, let's go. Say it with me. Let's go. And so I'm like, hey, I'll give anything a try. It sounded really stupid, I'll be honest with you, but I'll give anything a try. And so I started this technique in the store. Well, he didn't really learn it for pulling the leash, unfortunately, he still does that. We're still working on that. But what he learned was this command, let's go. And so anytime you say to Brody, let's go, this is the face that he gives you. It's like, oh, what are we going to do? I don't know what goes through his head. I kind of would like to know. You know, is he thinking like, oh, is there going to be treats? You know, is it going to be fun? Can I play? Can I run? Can I go in your car? Can you know, those kinds of things. Just a dog thinking like crazy to two words, let's go. That's part of this story that we celebrate as the birth of Jesus' story. That these shepherds were so excited about what was taking place. There was so much anticipation that they said, let's go. Let's see this. Let's read how the backstory unfolds. Matthew 1 verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Joseph. And in ancient Jewish culture, engagement was more binding than it is today. We, many of us know that. A man and a woman were considered legally bound in marriage, even though they were just engaged. All that they needed to do was go through the ceremony. And obviously, it was without physical intimacy that would consummate the marriage. And in verse 18, we read that before the marriage took place, so before the ceremony took place, while Mary was still a virgin, she became what? Pregnant. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to miss this. Get get this in your head here. Mary became pregnant even though she was a virgin. Think about that. Does that sound crazy to you like it sounds to me? It sure sounded crazy to Joseph at the time. I mean, think about the conversation that Mary had to have with her fiance. She had to face the man that she loves and tell him that she was pregnant. And she had no guarantee how he was going to respond. I mean, maybe her words were something like, Joseph, I know this is going to be hard for you to understand, and I know this is difficult for us to get our mind around, but but I'm pregnant. I haven't been unfaithful to you, though. This is God's baby. God has made me pregnant. Now, come on. What do you say to that? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. How do you respond to the God card? Well, God did it. Really. You know, Mary, I'm not really sure what to say to this. I mean, how, how am I supposed to respond, Mary, to what you're telling me? I, it, this is really over the top. This is, this is hard to believe. So Joseph was in shock he was in disbelief. He was probably numb. And as he turns over these options, one fact remains is that he really loved Mary. And so in verse 19, Joseph, as a righteous man, didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. You know, this is just too much for me to take. I, I, I can't go forward with this. It says in verse 20, that as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. So Joseph did exactly what God said. He connected his life to Mary and this baby without knowing how things were going to turn out. And wouldn't you know, things start spinning. Take a look. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Not too many months later, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. No don't don't miss this this is this is a stable where animals are where the smells of animals are where the leftovers of where animals would have been everybody follow me on that i mean it was it this was not a good place this was not a clean place this was this was a stable and a manger is a feeding trough we're hay or feed for animals, is put. So, so cattle and donkeys and goats, they would gather around a manger to eat and they would chew and they would slobber and they would drool all over this. Mangers were, were crude and smelly. And ironically, who was the first invited to the party? Take a look, Luke 2 verse 8. That same night, There were shepherds, shepherds. They would have been really familiar with mangers, huh? Shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord, rather the Lord's glory, surrounded them. This is what I, I don't want you to miss, that an angel stood among them. Hey, think about this, you're out in the field, you're pulling night shift, you're, you're kind of huddled down with your flock, you know, the sheep are beginning to go to sleep, and you're just kind of dozing off, and in the middle of this darkness, an angel appears, right among you, it says. And then it says they were surrounded by the radiance of God's glory. That's like, you know, 4,000 lumen spotlights, boom, hitting the area. It's no wonder they were afraid, right? It's what it says in the next verse. They were afraid. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. What did he say? Don't be afraid. I bring you. Come on, read it with me. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I want you to circle a couple of words. Circle the word you. I bring you. The angel doesn't say, I bring the world, the angel doesn't say, I bring religious people. The angel doesn't say, I bring good people, this news. The angel says, I bring you shepherds. You, it's personal, it's possessive. You, good news. Shepherds were dirty people. they, they, They spent all their time in the fields. There's very little personal hygiene. They were around dirty animals all the time. They were considered by their culture to be the opposite of holy and righteous. The opposite of religious and clean. And it was these people, this group, who the angel came to first. Wow. Not to the religious, not to those who think they're religious, the angel shared the message with the shepherds first. I want you to circle another word, all. So, not just to them, but he was bringing good news that will bring great joy to who? All people. Boy, that's huge. All people. God was, was choosing earthly messengers to tell this story. This is what I don't, I don't want you to miss. But, you know, here he's choosing these messengers, these shepherds, to tell this story. But where would shepherds go to tell the good news? Who would they talk to? Because they were the outcasts. They they didn't have an all-access pass to the halls of power and and, and government. They they never hobnobbed with the rich and famous people. They they were out in the, the fields. They weren't even welcome into regular people's homes. These were outcasts. So if the shepherds were chosen to share the good news, who would they tell? Probably poor people. Probably the outcasts like themselves. Probably those living on the streets. I like to say that they were chosen to to bring the message to the last and the lost and the least. Giving those people a chance to be first. First. It's not just for good people. T- turn to your neighbor and tell them it's not just for good people. And then tell them, aren't you glad? <laughs> right? Because we're not always good, are we? Now, if you're, if you're talking to somebody that you're married to, you could say that with <laughs> real surety, right? <laughs> you're not always good. <laughs> okay? We know that. It, it wasn't just to clean people. Now, I'm not talking dirty. Hopefully you didn't come in here dirty, but I'm, I'm talking heart clean, maybe even mind clean. It's not just to good people. It's not just to clean people. It's not just for church people. God's message of good news will bring joy to all people. Here's the crazy thing. People struggle with this, this idea of the message of Jesus, they say it's such an exclusive message of Jesus. It's so strict and narrow-minded. It's, it's a belief system that, that, it, that doesn't welcome itself to, to everyone. But, I, I mean, based on what the angel is saying here, God's message is good news of great joy to all people. I'm pretty sure you can't get much more all-inclusive than that, right? Right? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God's message of good news should bring joy to you. The angel continues The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city. Of David, circle the word "savior." That comes from uh, the idea of saving or rescuing from danger. Maybe you're at a point in your life, in your marriage, in your job, in your health, in your finances, where you feel like you are drowning, like you're going under, like you are gasping for breath, and you don't have the ability to save yourself. Guess what? You need a savior, and this is good news for you today. The angel calls Jesus Messiah. I want you to circle that word. Messiah is God's chosen king of God's kingdom. What it, basically, it's saying God has a plan and a purpose. And the cool thing is, maybe you're wondering what God is trying to do in your life, what God wants to do in your life. I want you to be assured that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he has the resources to pull it off. He's in control. He's in charge. He's king. The angel calls Jesus Lord. Circle that word on your outline. That's a good word. It talks about the personal name of God. It's a, in the Hebrew, it's, it's God getting up close and personal with us. And that should be a, a message of hope for us today. That God doesn't stay at a distance. That God comes up close to us. Right where we are. Right what we're, in what we're facing. He wants to speak these words to us. The angel continues, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a what? Manger. A manger was a very familiar place to a shepherd. I mean, if they had said, you will find the baby in the temple in Jerusalem, the shepherds would have went, sucks to be us. Can't go there you're going to find the baby wrapped nicely in someone's nice home can't go there but the angel said here's the sign you're going to find the baby in a manger can you imagine how the shepherds hearts just leaped at that moment they're like wait um, wait did he say a manger we we know manger's We know where a manger is going to be. That's going to be in a stable, in a barn. We we relate to that world. That That is our talk. Jesus, God's son, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord, is coming to where we live. He's coming down into our neighborhood. I love how Eugene Peterson writes that in the message paraphrase, that God came into our neighborhood. A manger would have been a place that the shepherds relate to. Jesus didn't just come into the top levels of culture. He didn't come for just religious or moral or powerful people. Jesus didn't come you know, to, to say that you have to meet a certain standard to be in his presence in order to approach him. Jesus makes himself accessible to all people, including you and me. And that is hope. See, the thing that you can see in Scripture, this is just kind of an aside. I don't have enough time to unpack this, but here's just a big thought for us here. It's not even on your outline. I just, I just want you to get this. God wants you to find Him. Don't miss this. God wants to be found by you. Why else? Would would God allow a baby to be born in a manger and give the message to shepherds? It's because this is a place they can go. This is a place that they relate to. This is accessible to them. I think that's the story of the Bible. Not just of Jesus' birth. It's a God who wants to be found by you. So the baby's born in obscurity. (laughs) And then all heaven breaks loose. Take a look, verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others praising God. So don't miss the picture. Surrounded by 4,000 illumined spotlights, there's this angel giving the shepherds the message. And then all of a sudden, suddenly, there was a vast host of angels. That we're beginning to praise God. So it just kind of opened up. I like to say that the curtain just kind of pulled back on eternity. And we see this vast host of angels giving God praise, saying, Glory to God in the highest and, on, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And just like that, verse 15, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, here it is. Come on, read it with me. Let's go. Come on, say it again. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Do you know what's taking place here? They hoped to find what God had said. They hoped that they would find. They, they were anticipating. They were expecting. They, they experienced something that was very real, and now they hoped to find What God had said, in fact, they hoped to find the baby. They hoped to find God. So, verse 16, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. So, after everything that took place, (laughs) what would you do? I mean, if you were in the the group of those shepherds and you're huddling down getting ready to go to sleep at night and all of a sudden an angel appears and there's this brightness around you and this angel tells you all this information and then you get up and you go and you find exactly what the angel said that God was doing. You find the baby in the manger. What would you do? I would probably do exactly what they do in verse 17. After seeing the baby, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child, and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You know why? You know why. But maybe you're not connecting the dots yet. They were astonished because the shepherds were telling them The lowest of the low, the outcasts, the ones that could not come into the culture were the ones that the message came to first. God spoke to them first. And now they're telling everyone. God came. He came down to earth. And he brings us hope. He brings us love. He brings us life. So just like it all started out with hope and anticipation, the shepherds say, let's go see this. Hmm. So in the closing words of the narrative in verse 20, look at this. The shepherds went back to their flocks, back to their ordinary lives, glorifying And praising God, worshiping God. Don't miss this. When you are overwhelmed by what God is doing, guess what? The natural result will be worship. That's what they're doing. They had, for what they had seen, what they had heard, they're overwhelmed. It was just as the angel had told who? Them. Don't miss this. I'm sure the shepherds were going. God talked to us. Not to the priests, not to the religious, not to the prophets, not to the kings. He talked to us. Friends, this season, God wants to talk to you, and He wants you to realize it because He brings hope, He brings good news. He brings joy. This was real. This, this was real for them. God had spoken to them personally. They were the first ones to the party. They were invited by God. When no one else was invited, they knew that God had sent Jesus for them. This was not generic, this was personal. Please don't let this Christmas season be generic for you, it's personal. It's for us today. And this is what you need to know. Let's fill in the blank. No matter what, the hope of Jesus is for me. No matter what. No matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter the odds, no matter what people say, doesn't matter. The hope of Jesus is for you, it's for me. This is personal. This is not generic. This is for you. Jesus is with me. He's not a distant God. Jesus understands me. He knows what it's like to get into my skin and live life as a human being. Jesus loves me enough to come to earth. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1, God saved us not because we deserve it. Boy, that's the truth, isn't it? God saved us not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time. To show his grace through Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain by the appearing of Jesus, our Savior. This whole thing is is not supposed to be generic. It's supposed to be personal. Friends, Jesus doesn't want you to be religious. He wants to be in a relationship with you. This is for you. This hope that Jesus brings, the possibilities are endless. This hope that Jesus brings, it's for you. It's for me. So what do you hope to experience this Christmas? For me, I hope to experience more of Jesus. As we wrap off today, I would miss something big if I didn't include the very popular video clip that we know from a Charlie Brown Christmas, right? Good old Linus, right? You know, the guy that carries the blanket everywhere. Charlie Brown asks if there's anyone who knows what Christmas is all about. And Linus says, I know Charlie Brown. Remember that scene? You know you know that scene. <clears throat> Linus walks onto the stage and he starts quoting the verses that we've looked at. It's from the King James Version of the Bible. It's a little different in wording, but it's, it's the same passage. And he's quoting these verses. He calls for the spotlight and then he starts talking. And, but, but I want you to notice something that you may have missed about this video clip, about this story. It's something that I've missed all of these years, and I've seen this for a long time. Right in the middle of speaking, Linus drops his blanket. Now, if you know Peanuts like I know Peanuts, Linus does not let go of that security blanket, right? I mean, that, that is the most important thing to him. Lucy and Snoopy and so many others try to separate Linus from his blanket. You know that, you've, you've seen that. And even though this security blanket is such a major source of ridicule in his life, Linus simply refuses to give up this blanket except until this moment. And it's the most telling moment in the story. Take a look. Did you see when he dropped it? Linus walks onto that stage with that blanket held tightly and he speaks the lines with great meaning but right in the moment when he says that the angel tells the shepherds, fear not. He drops the blanket. And his face lights up at that moment. It's pretty clear what the artist and author Charles Schultz was trying to say to us. And I've missed it all of these years. The birth of Jesus separates us from our fears and insecurities because the birth of Jesus gives us hope. No matter what, the hope Of Jesus is for me it's for you what do you hope to experience this Christmas just like the shepherds I'd like to say to you friends come on let's go let's see this thing that happened which the Lord has told us about would you bow your heads with me